Hello, Cathedral family. God is good. And all the time. Thanks so much for being here, whether you're here on site or whether you're watching online. If you're here on site, inside the building, outside the building, again, we're so grateful. We're on the journey together. And today's sermon is really all about this. I want to talk to you for a few moments about sitting on the fence. Getting off of the fence. Making a decision. Making a choice. Making a commitment. That's the big idea for today. There's so many choices we have to make. Profound choices we have to make every day. Think about it. You've got to choose. Am I going to wear my Black jeans or my blue jeans? Am I going to have a latte or an espresso? Am I going to root for the Lions or for the 49ers? Sounds like you already made that choice. Decisions we have to make, and sometimes we get stuck right here. We get stuck sitting on the fence. I mean, when you think about it, it can be a little bit frightening getting off the fence because when I make a decision and commit to a decision, that means I'm saying yes to this and no to this. And sometimes it's hard to make that decision. The uh, famous actor who was a part of all the Harry Potter movies, when they first approached him, they wanted him to commit to all seven movies. And Richard Harris, he committed to it, but he did so reluctantly. And this is what he said. He said, I hate that kind of commitment. I hate the idea that my life in any way is sort of restricted. I hate commitment, and I'm totally unreliable anyway. (laughs) What is it? You know, there are times in our life we can get stuck on that fence And perhaps, perhaps that's why God brought you here to this service so that I could give you a little pastoral nudge. You know what you want to do. You know what you need to do. But you've been stuck right here on the fence. When it comes to making a shift in your career, when it comes to getting involved in ministry, when it comes to going after that dream, when it comes to walking down the aisle, hello! I read this week about the longest recorded engagement. There was a couple, and let me make sure I get the name right. Her name was, uh, let me see here. Her name, was Oct- or his, her name was Adriana, and his name was Octavio. And Octavio asked her to, uh, Adriana to marry him, and she said yes. That was in 1902. But one of them sort of got cold feet, and so they kept putting off the wedding and putting off the wedding and putting off the wedding until 1969. They finally got married after 67 years. They were in their 80s. And I want to tell you, you don't have to wait that long to make a decision. 
Today's the day. If you've been stuck on the fence, getting off the fence, Yogi Berra once said this. He said, if you come to a fork in the road, take it. There's an ancient Chinese proverb that says, he who deliberates fully before taking a step will spend his entire life on one leg. Never commit. Today's the day to make a choice, to make a decision. If you would, stand with me, please, for the reading of today's scripture. It comes from a very famous story in the life of Elijah. Some of you may be very familiar. Others, this may be brand new to you. But wherever you're at, I invite you to jump in. And 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 21. Would you read this out loud with me? And let's fill this place with the word of God. Everyone, how long are you going to sit on the fence? If God is the real God, follow him. If it's Baal, follow him. Make up your minds. Nobody said a word. Nobody made a move. Make up your minds. Father, thank you. Thank you so much for this cathedral family and guests and friends that are here today. I'm so grateful. You've given us another day to worship you and to grow in our relationship with you. And I pray that you would do in these next few moments what only you can do. That you would take your word and by the power of your spirit, you would apply it to each of our lives. That we can leave here changed and transformed. That this week can be genuinely different because we met you in this moment. That's our heart. That's our desire. All God's people said, amen. amen. Can we give God praise? Amen. Hallelujah. All right. I want to invite you to say this with me. Get off the fence. Say it with me. Get off the fence. One more time. Get off. Turn to the neighbor next to you and tell them, get off the fence. You can be seated. That's the sermon. But let me talk to you for a little longer about this idea. When we come to this part of the story in the life of Elijah, we find that the nation is stuck on the fence. They're stuck on the fence when it comes to the biggest decision of all. Who are you going to worship? Who are you going to serve? Who is going to be your God? Now, how in the world did the nation end up on the fence? They ended up there because of bad leadership. We read this about their king at the time in 1 Kings chapter 16. It says, King Ahab, son of Omri, did more evil in the eyes of the Lord than any of those before him. King Ahab and his wife, Queen Jezebel, were the worst leaders in the history of the nation. How would you like that to be your legacy? They were the worst CEO in the history of this company. They were the worst coach in the history of this team. They were the worst pastor. Well, let's not go there. And what made them so bad is that they had led the nation away. 
from the worship of the true God to the worship of false gods. And they built temples to these false gods. They hired staff for these false gods. They led the worship of these false gods, worship that involved sexual depravity and child sacrifice. And now the nation is stuck right here on the fence. They violated the very first commandment the leaders did. They said, you shall, uh, God said, you shall have no other gods before me. No other gods besides me. And yet the leaders had led the nation and now the nation is stuck on the fence. Here they are, stuck on the fence. On this side, there's one God. On this side, there's the other God. And they think that they can be neutral. Elijah shows up and he tells them, neutrality is not an option. You got to commit. Get off the fence. Why is it not an option? I heard about this one young man and he was in love. And he went to the store to get a card for his girlfriend. And he asked the worker at the store to help him out. So she took him over to the rack where there was all the cards. And she pulled out one of the cards. She says, this is one of our most popular. And he opened it up and it said, to the only girl I've ever loved. And the man said, this is great. I'll take six of them. That guy needs to make a decision. <laughs> See, there's a nature of relationship. Look at how the Bible describes our connection with God in different places. It says that God is like the potter and we are like clay. It says that God's like a shepherd and we are like the sheep. It says that God is like a father and we are like his children. But then God raises the bar and takes it to a whole nother level. And he says, I am so devoted to you. I am so committed to you. The kind of relationship that we have is like a husband and a wife, like we're married. And now you can see why it is so wrong to be on the fence. It's like inviting another man or woman into your marriage bed. God is married to us and that's why he's to be the object of our ultimate devotion and our ultimate worship. Knowing him, pleasing him, serving him is our highest goal. Jesus put it this way, it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only you shall serve and all God's people said, Amen. So here Elijah challenged him. You've got to get off the fence. And Elijah comes up with a contest. And here's his idea. He said, I am the only one of the Lord's prophets left, but Baal has 450 prophets. Get two bulls for us. Let Baal's prophets choose one for themselves and let them cut it into pieces and put it on the wood, but not set fire to it. I will prepare the other bull and put it on the wood, but not set fire to it. Then you call on the name of your God, and I will call on the name of the Lord, and the God who answers by fire, he is God. Then all the people said, what you say 
is good. And Elijah said, let's get ready to rumble. That's not exactly what he said. But it captures the spirit of the moment. What strikes me about Elijah is in this setting, he has so much courage and so much confidence. I mean, look at this scenario. There are 450 prophets of Baal. And Elijah is one. One against 450. It reminds me a little bit like this picture right up here that you can see. (laughs) This cat is so calm and so confident, and so is this cat called Elijah. I mean, he has all this courage and all this confidence, even though he's standing alone. Have you ever been in that situation where you have found yourself standing alone? You're the only one in your class at school, or the only, you're the only one that is on your team, or you're the only one that is in your family, or you're the only one that is in your department. You have to stand alone. How do you have confidence and courage when you have to stand alone? When there's one over here and 450 over here. It seems to me the key is this. Everybody lock in. Let this get in your spirit. That even when you find yourself standing alone, you are never, ever all by yourself. Let me say that again. Amen. Even when I stand alone, I am never, ever all by myself. God is with me and God is for me. And if God is for me, it doesn't matter who is against me. When you add God to the equation, one plus God equals a majority. Whenever you add God to the equation, it always changes it. Because if God is with you and God is for you, it doesn't matter who or what is against you. You can be that cool, calm cat walking in confidence, walking with courage. God has my back. Can somebody say amen to that? There was this eight-year-old girl who, this was back in the 60s when schools in the South were being integrated, and she was uh, the first black child to attend this elementary school. And one day she was going to school and she writes about her experience. She said, she's eight years old. I was alone and those people were screaming and suddenly I saw God smiling and I smiled. A woman was standing there and she shouted, hey, you little, what are you smiling at? I look right at her face and I said, I'm smiling at God. Then she looked up at the sky. Then she looked at me. And she didn't call me any more names. That little girl knew that even that we show she was standing alone, she was not by herself. And some of you right now, you're in the fire. You're facing the fire. And God brought you here today to remind you, 
Even when you're standing alone, you are never, ever all by yourself. The apostle Paul from prison talked about his time in prison. He said, the first time I was brought before the judge, no one came with me. Everyone abandoned me. May it not be counted against them, though. But the Lord stood with me and gave me strength. Can we give God praise, amen, for his presence and his power. Hallelujah. So the contest is set up. Let's see what happens. What happens next? Well, the Bible says the false prophets went first, all 450 of them. It says that they raved all afternoon until the time of the evening sacrifice. They raved. Say that with me. They raved. It was the very first rave party in history. (laughs) They raved. In fact, archaeologists have discovered an ancient video of that rave party that they were having. You can see it right up on the screens. It was crazy. (laughs) They were just going crazy. People were dancing and screaming and, I mean, just. Boy, those ancient documents, you never know what you're going to see. But they are, they're raving and they're screaming and they're cutting themselves and nothing is happening. And in the middle of all the raving, Elijah does some trash talking. If your spiritual gift is sarcasm, you are going to love the prophet Elijah because he starts in. He says this. He says, you'll have to shout louder for surely he's a God. Perhaps he's daydreaming or he is relieving himself. Is that in the Bible? Yeah, that's in the Bible. And Elijah, he's just taunting them. He says, or maybe he's away on a trip or is asleep and needs to be awakened. They continue raving all day long and nothing happens. And the tragedy of devoting yourself to a false God is this. It will never deliver. It'll make you bleed, but it will never deliver. And that's why you and I, we've got to be careful about taking good things and turning them into a God and putting expectations on those things. In that sense, it's a little bit like this Jeep that I borrowed from my grandson. My brother and his wife, they got this Jeep for my youngest grandson, Chase. And it's a really cool Jeep, but it says on the Jeep, maximum capacity is 130 pounds. Now, I weigh, let's just say I weigh more than 130 pounds. Just leave it right there. But if I get on this Jeep and I put it in gear, and I drive onto the freeway and expect this thing to take me home, I'm gonna crush it. It's gonna break down. It's not gonna get me where I wanna go. 
And the same thing is true when I take a good thing and I turn it into a God. If I take success and turn it into a God, or if beauty becomes my God, or approval becomes my God, or my career becomes my God, or my ministry becomes my God, or my money becomes my God. Someone once said, <laughs> someone once said, who is happier, a man who has 12 kids or a man who has a billion dollars? And the answer is the man who has 12 kids because he doesn't want any more. <laughs> when money's your God, you never have enough. Never have enough. Tim Keller said this about money. If you center your life and identity on money and possessions, you'll be eaten up by worry or jealousy about money. Jesus said this about money. He said... No one can serve two masters. You will hate the one and love the other. You will be voted to one and despise the other. You cannot, you cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. You gotta get off the fence. Gotta get off the fence, amen. When I take a good thing and turn it into a God, it just cannot deliver. It'll make you bleed, but it cannot, make you it cannot deliver. Even when it comes to family, I love my family. I adore my family. I'm devoted to my family. I would literally lay down my life for my family. But if I take my family and turn that good thing into my God, see, there are the deepest needs in my life. Only God can meet those needs. The deepest desires in my life, only God can fulfill those desires. And when I take my kids and I turn them into the object of my worship, I'm putting expectations on them that they will never be able to fulfill. They'll be frustrated, I'll be frustrated. That's why we need, I need to make sure that my family is in its place, but God in his, is in his place. That I'm worshiping God, amen. In Colossians chapter one, it says this about Jesus. It says in Colossians chapter one, that Jesus is before all things, and in him all things hold together. When you center your life in Christ, then all of those other things are held together with Jesus at the center. Get off the fence, say it with me, get off the fence. That brings us to the end of the story. The false prophets have had their chance and now Elijah, it's his chance. So what does he do? Well, he takes water and drenches the wood. So if this thing is gonna happen, it's not gonna be a spark. You're gonna need the fire from heaven to fall. And in 1 Kings 18, that's what we read. It said, immediately the fire of the Lord flashed down from heaven and burned up the young bull, the wood, the stones, and the dust. It even licked up all the water in the trench. This is the real deal. And when all the people saw it, they fell face down on the ground and cried out, the Lord he is God. The Lord, he is God. They got off the fence. 
and worship God. So let me ask you a question. When it comes to God, have you been stuck on the fence? Today is the day to make a decision, to get off the fence. St. Augustine once said this about getting off the fence. He says, God has promised forgiveness to our repentance, but he has not promised tomorrow to our procrastination. Today's the day to get off the fence and surrender your life to Jesus. And when you do, you'll find that another kind of fire John the Baptist says that when Jesus comes, he would baptize us with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And this fire comes to transform us from the inside out like a fire which purifies silver or gold. His fire gets on us and it gets in us and it transforms us in the best kind of way. I was watching this week of all times, I saw an interview The man who plays the part of Jesus in the new TV series, The Chosen, uh, Jonathan Rumi, he was interviewing our friend Sheila E. about her faith journey. And Sheila talks about that transforming fire, that it changed her from being a person who bruised others to being a person who blessed others. Watch the screens and let faith begin to rise in your heart. Why do you think that is, that some people, artists, musicians, actors, when they get a little bit of fame or success, why do you think some people kind of have that sort of bad behavior or, or lack of humility or just, you know, egotism? So there was a point in my life that I was horrible to people. You know, I just felt like you're not working with me, you're working for me blah, 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 and I had all this money coming in and I was young. It was tragedy that woke me up. My back went out from playing in heels, shortened my calf muscles because I played in heels for so long like this, you know, and messed up my back, so it was twisted. So I woke up one day and I walked to the restroom and literally my legs just gave out. Done, couldn't walk partially paralyzed for about two weeks. And then, you know, a lot of the doctors said I had to have surgery. I'm like, no, no, no. And then later on, my lung collapsed. And I sat there and I was just like, what is going to happen to me? Like, all the way up to that time, till 1990, I Mm. thought that I was in control of everything. Mm. Everything. Didn't matter. I mean, I believed in God, but yeah, 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 yeah. No, but I was in control of everything. I thought that I could jump out of a plane without a parachute and land like this, like, dun, 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 here I am to save the day. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I really thought, like, no one could mess with me. Mm. And those two things, my back going out and then my lung collapsing, I'm like, okay, I'm going to die. So and then mentally, for the first time in my life, I shut down. Mentally, I was sick. Spiritually, I was sick. Physically, I was sick. And those three together, that's like done. I walked out, and I swear I'm not kidding. I saw the sky, the bluest I've ever seen, the sky. Like, it was so blue. And I'm like, God, you are so amazing. That was the beginning of a change for me. Mm. That was it. And I was like, wow, 
I don't want to be that person anymore. Mm. I don't want to be that person. I need to change. And I just started saying, you know, God, I just want you to heal me, heal the inside of me. And I want to start over. The sorries just kept coming. I'm so sorry. I am so sorry. I was apologizing to people that were in my circle at that time. I don't even know if I did anything. I just said, I'm sure that I did something to you. I said something to you, but I'm going to say I'm sorry for all the things that I've done. Uh, that must have felt liberating. Oh, my God, yeah, because they're looking at me like, wait, <laughs> what happened? <laughs> Who are you talking to? What? Yeah. I don't think God wanted us to just think about ourselves. I think we're here to serve. To this day, the only job that I really do have that I enjoy is to bless one person every single day. And if I can bless one person, just one, then I've done my job, you know? And then whatever happens after that is cool, but my purpose every day is to bless just one person. Ah, the transforming fire of the Holy Spirit. Would you stand with me, please, everyone? The worship team's coming to lead us in a chorus, and then we're going to receive communion together. But bow, or close your eyes with me for just a moment. Just stay locked in. If you'd say, hey, Pastor Ken, I, I've been on the fence, and today I want to get off the fence. I'm all in. When it comes to being a follower of Jesus... I'm surrendering my life to Jesus today. That's a decision I'm making. Just lift up your hand real high and say, Pastor Ken, that's me. No more putting it off. No more dragging my feet. No more kicking the can down the road. Now, okay, God sees your hand. He sees your hearts. Let me ask another question. If you'd say, Pastor Ken, the Holy Spirit's made it very clear. There's an area where I've been sitting on the fence. I know what I want to do. I know what I need to do. And today I've sensed that internal nudge to get off the fence. And I'm making a commitment today. I'm making a choice, a decision today to get off the fence. Just lift up your hand real high. Say, Pastor Ken, that's me today. I'm getting off the fence. Father, I thank you so much for loving us like you do. Thank you for continuing to reach out to us. Lord, when we've, when we've been on the fence, your grace did not give up on us. And today we, we get off the fence and we surrender our lives to your love. And then, Father, I pray for all of us on the journey, wherever we've needed to make a decision, whether it involves our career, a decision to reach out to our neighbors, whatever that decision that we've been dragging our feet on, today is the day. We're getting off the fence and following after you. Father, bless your people. Let that transforming fire of the Holy Spirit fall upon us today. And as this song is sung, let that fire fall and let it begin to transform us from the inside out so we can be the very best version of ourselves. And we pray this in Jesus' name, for Jesus' glory. All God's people said, amen, amen. amen. Let's give God praise, amen. Hallelujah. Lead us, Vaughn.
Jesus, thank you for who you are and what you've done for us. We celebrate your life. And today we receive in faith the transforming power of the Holy Spirit. Let's eat of the bread of Christ together. And let's drink of the cup of Christ. Drink in that transforming fire. Thank you, Father. You know, on the count of three, I was thinking, what if we enter back into that moment? And on the count of three, it says when they saw the fire come and consume the sacrifice, the people got off the fence, they fell on their face and they worshiped and they said, the Lord, he is God. And how about on the count of three, if we join in, that we shout as loud as we can, The Lord, he is God. Are you ready? Let's declare our allegiance to Jesus, whether you did it for the first time today or whether you've been serving him all your life. Let him know that we're all in. We know who our God is. Nobody will replace our God. On the count of three, one, two, three. The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Amen. Let's give him praise one more time. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Amen. Amen. Oh, Cathedral family, God is good. And all the time. Just a couple quick things before I dismiss you. First of all, if you need prayer, our team will be down here to pray with you and for you. And let me also give a shout out. Uh, Once a month, we have our Worship Together weekend with the youth. Our youth are on fire for God. Would you let them know how proud we are of them? Yeah, awesome. And then don't forget, you know, get involved with our Easter production. It begins this Friday night. I encourage you to come on out. And then one other announcement. In two weeks on Super Bowl Sunday, we will have... uh, a Super Bowl champion who was a member of the 49ers back in the day. He's going to be a guest with us on Super Bowl Sunday. So it's a great opportunity to invite uh, your friends who are football fans to come out. And we're going to believe that they're going to meet Jesus that day. Amen? Amen. Let me... Cathedral, did you know your love today? Let me ask again. Did you know your love today? Let me speak God's blessing on you as you go. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine brightly upon you. May the Lord be gracious to you and give you his peace. And today, if you're in the fire, may you know that God is with you and God is for you. And if God is for you, it doesn't matter who or what is against you, even when you stand alone. You are never, ever all by yourself. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, I pray. All God's people said, amen. God bless you as you go.